What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm ready to talk about a topic that I think is important, and I really, really deep down love this conversation. I did. Today, I'm joined by my man, Joey, the E-Trader. We're talking about buying the cards that you need with the fewest barriers possible. This conversation is one of those that I think will help unlock some doors for you. It did for me as I was talking with Joey. A lot of what is discussed on this episode is things that go on in our head on a regular basis that we debate. But quite frankly, I've never really heard too many people get in the weeds and talk about it. I'm really excited about how this conversation turned out. I hope you enjoy this. Tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, happy freaking Friday. Let's kick it to the conversation. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Excited for this topic. Excited for this guest, repeat guest. I got my man, Joey, at the E-Trader on Instagram. I got a question earlier this week, and I've been reflecting on this topic and felt like, based on my knowledge of Joey and how he operates his collecting and he'd be a good person to kind of unpack this one with me. So the topic's going to be buying the cards that you need with the fewest barriers. Going to talk about, you know, being proactive, selling platforms, friction points, those sorts of things. Think it'll make for a good episode for all of you. Um, But without further ado, Joey, welcome back, man. How are you? Good, man. Brad, thanks for having me on again. I, I really appreciate it. As always, big listener of the show. Love, love all the guests you have on. So, um, yeah, man, appreciate uh, being on again for what is it, the third time? I think so. Why don't you tell yeah. the folks? Why don't you tell the folks out there? Uh, I don't typically ask the guests to share their evening plans, but you got some pretty cool evening plans in store for tonight. So, tell everyone uh, what you'll be doing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually dressed for it right now. I'm going to the Bucks game tonight. Um, so I'm pretty excited for it. We got like field passes. We're in a suite and got the whole deal, the whole, the whole shebang going tonight. So, uh, excited. Uh, I will say that I've been to the last three saints bucks games and they've gotten freaking blown out (laughs) every time, but I'm still excited to go. So we'll see. I think the one I went to was, um, like one of Brady's worst games in his career. I know that the Saints have had their number a little bit. What what's the um what is the sentiment in Tampa right now just regarding the Bucks? We were talking before this, and I just said, like, yeah, you know, it's Brady. Like, I, I'm literally never gonna count him out. I've seen him do basically everything. But like, what what what's the talk on like sports radio? Like, what are people saying about this Bucks team? Like, are people hopeful still or are people kind of checked out? Yeah, totally hopeful. I mean, again, you know. We, we've got Tom Brady. So, uh, and we've got a good team. Honestly, there's a, it, we've got a good team. They've made some, some poor coaching decisions, in my opinion, in the past couple of weeks. Um, but we've got all the weapons. We fortunately are in a position to win, right? Um, we're not in last place. So there's lots of opportunity there. So, but we have to win, you know, uh, he's got a, he's got a, the the team's got to sink. They got he's got to show up, and they got to start. They they got to start scoring more. Really, is what it is. And we were kind of talking about that with with fantasy. You know, it's been 
frustrating having as a quarterback because he hasn't scored as much as he normally has. You know? No, I'm just, it's like every time I watch the guy, I'm just waiting for, for him to like dial the clock back. And he's not like necessarily playing bad. He's just not putting the prolific numbers that, you know, we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And I don't necessarily think it's a drop off either. I think it's more of a scheme, like trying to get on the same page with, uh, you know, the receivers, the O-line had some things going on. So I don't, I don't know. Like I mentioned, like I'm never counting him out. I could very well, every time I'm watching a Bucks game, I'm just like waiting for him to go just like shred whoever he's playing. So I think he, I think he's still got a little bit of that left in him. And if I were to predict this, it's almost like Brady's like the maestro and he's almost just like making everyone just realize that like he might be done. And then maybe tonight's the launching off point of just like, the campaign of Brady to next Super Bowl. It's not unlikely it could very well happen. And let's be real too, whether they win, lose, whatever, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but the reality is you're watching the final games of the GOAT, Mm -hmm. right? These are the final games. If you can go back and, you know, we're all older and we're maturing now, but like if you can go back and say, okay, hey, these are Peyton Manning's last games. I'm going to enjoy them no matter what happens. Or Joe Montana or all these guys that, that are, that are the guys, right? That's what's unfolding right now. So to be able to kind of enjoy that is key. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. So obviously I want them to win, but in the end, I just want to see good football. That's actually a really good reminder. And I will say that um, 2015, it had taken me a long time to stomach the fact that Peyton Manning was not wearing Colts blue anymore. And there was a, a large part of me that was throughout the Broncos run that was like, man, I can't possibly see Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl with another team. But once 2015 rolled around, it was like, you know, he was a, kind of a shell of himself. Um, the the defense was sick, but like that march to the Super Bowl and then winning the Super Bowl, like it, it was like, you know, let's forget everything. Let's cheer for the guy because he's the guy and he's been my guy. And so I think that might be a good reminder. Like, whether you have ill will for Tom leaving to go to Tampa or you haven't liked him and, but maybe you've appreciated him. Like maybe like now is a good time to like, actually like there's not many more Monday night football games. This guy's going to be playing there. Not many more games he's going to be playing. So like from a, a fan perspective, like sit back and kind of enjoy it a little bit because it's never going to happen again. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's history unfolding. Period. Whether you like the guy, you hate him, it doesn't matter. You know, and, and it finally got my girlfriend right. She's a Bills fan. And she gets all frustrated. Like, why do you always man? Because she, you know, she wants to go, wants to go to a bar to watch the game. And I said, I don't want to go. I want to watch it at home because I can enjoy it because you're not going to see these anymore. She gets mad at my nostalgia. <laughs> well, well, there, there might, there might be a potential, uh, internal strife uh maybe bills bucks uh super bowl who knows uh yeah someone someone's sleeping on the couch that'd be great um let's let's talk about uh before we dive into the topic i i always i just appreciate i know you're pretty dialed in i'd love to kind of just get your general perspective and uh you know just to remind kind of everybody you know you collect a lot of brady you collect manning you you you're collecting players that are legends you collect 90s baseball stuff but you know looking for stored value and stuff that you collect so you have mindfulness about 
you know, purchase price, when to buy certain things. You've been doing this for, you know, 30 plus years. So I'd love for you just to get like your collector perspective on just like current state of the market. Like, how do you think, uh, is it a good time you think to buy? Like, what are some of the things you're seeing when you're trying to navigate some of your purchases? Yeah. So, um, I think it's a very good time to buy as long as you know what you're buying. Right. And, um, I know that sounds kind of obvious, but right now I believe that the cards that you have felt over the past two years are saying, man, I wanted one of those. I knew it was going to pop, but now it's going up to X and I can't spend that kind of money on a card. Right. And now it's, those cards are coming down 50, 60, 70, 80%, whatever it is. Right. It is the op, it is your opportunity to buy that stuff. Right. I've seen it happen. My collection has really separated itself almost into two two collections to where I have my, you know, like forever cards and stuff that coffin cards, whatever you want to call them over here, the really rare stuff that you can't find. And then I have the stuff that's like, you know what? We can part with this. We could sell it, we could trade it, whatever the case may be, because it's it's replaceable, right? And the irreplaceable things that are popping up for sale, or when I say irreplaceable, I mean, you know, short print that are rare and they, they, they're just rare. They may have sold five times over the past two years, but they're still rare by serial number. It's a great time to pick up that stuff if you're in a position that, to where you can and you're comfortable sitting on it for a little while. And it's something that, you know, you have no intention to really sell anytime soon. And people always say in a scared market, you buy when there's blood in the streets, that kind of thing. I think that does apply here because you also have, in my opinion, a lot of people exiting. You have people scared that are selling because they have to, but I believe you also have a lot of people that are exiting that have come into this over the past, you know, 24 months and just realized, hey, this for whatever reason, it's not for them. Yeah, I love that perspective. And I want to get I think one of the things that I'm trying to unlock is the, you know, you see a card that has a certain sticker price on it that is. 20 to 25% lower than what it was six months ago, but still for the average uh, collector is a significant purchase. And I'm, I think in, in, in this conversation, I would, I would love to like try to unlock, like what can we be doing as collectors when we see something like that to like consider like the pros and cons of the purchase, but like, we all know it when we see that card, like that feeling we get deep down inside where it's like, I can't stop thinking about this. This is a card that has been on my list, which we're going to talk about lists forever. But yeah, it's like $5,000 right now. And like, should I really be spending $5,000? So I think like, I want to get into this discussion, like trying to understand like your point of view and perspective on just like gaining confidence in those purchases. And then like potentially like you reference, like how can we leverage some of the equity in our PC to give us confidence for those purchases? But there's a lot of barriers. Some of the barriers I think are good for the hobby, but I think some of them we can kind of try to jump over. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But I'd love to start with the the list in my last episode with Nate in Cardboard Veritas. He referenced yep. this list he had. And when he said it, I thought of you immediately. I thought of like <laughs> you walking around at shows with your like notepad with like scribbles of like these cards you want. Maybe like I, I, that, like a lot of the hobby comes at us. Like we have our save searches, uh, people DM us, we see story sales and it's like, oh, that card looks cool. And it 
it's kind of adjacent to what I collect. So I'm going to go buy it. And then maybe months later we regret it. But when you have the list, like you're on offense. So maybe like talk a little bit about like being proactive and, you know, creating that list of cards instead of them just letting those cards come at you and just kind of like some of the advantages that you see um, just in general. And then maybe in this market, there has been like an iPad or an iPhone notepad in my phone since I don't know how many generations of iPhones of that thing has transferred over probably 10. Right. And it's my list of stuff that I'm looking for. Right. And it's probably 20 ish cards. I update it. Every time something occurs on one of those cards manually, and I just go in there and, and it's really the cards I'm looking for. And next to it, I'll put what the last one sold for that's maybe similar because it's typically stuff that just simply doesn't pop up. You know, if I'm looking for a PSA 10, but a, a 9.5 sells, I, I put that in there and I, and I just, I'm always trying to check cards off that list. Right. And it sounds just kind of simple and, but honestly, dude, it's been something I've done forever. And I continue to do it and it works. I also talk to guys that, you know, we chat with in groups and let certain people know I'm looking for certain things. So that way, uh, if something pops up and they see it, they'll send it to me. And that has worked tremendously well because it used to be, well, let me just put all these in my, in my saved eBay searches and I'll check it a couple of times a day. And if it pops up that's not good enough anymore. That doesn't, that you have to be on your phone 24 seven checking that. Otherwise somebody's going to get you. Somebody's going to beat you to it. Right. Especially if it, obviously if it's a buy it now. Um, and that used to be the thing. Like I never lost anything. I would always find the stuff. I'd put it on my list within a year, whatever, a couple months, the next one that came up for sale, I grabbed it. No big deal. Now that doesn't happen nearly as much unless my friends know I'm looking for it and somebody else sees it and they send it to me because like I said, there's just so many more people. So like, that's the good signs that I see of the future, right? Like that hasn't changed. That really hasn't changed. Like when, when, when there's a card somebody's looking for, you know, and, and you know, people in the chat are looking for it, obviously the chat will go silent as if it doesn't even exist, which I think is even funnier, right? But really that's the process and it, and it, and it works in a couple different ways. It's not just eBay auctions, right? I use it in real life as well. So if you're at the national and you see the card, right, you can negotiate a deal on the fly because you have your notes. You, you're not, and you know, we, we've seen these places that have crappy Wi-Fi or whatever the service doesn't work, but having it right there is key to say, okay, well, I know that a, a BGS 9.5 sold for four grand. This is a PSA 10. He's got a price at seven. Maybe I can get it for six or whatever the case may be. You're able to just kind of go with that. And some of the stuff I'm looking for is, is a couple of vintage cards, not much, but even that to have that data on hand is important. You know, card ladder has a tool that's, that's helpful that you can follow certain cards. Right. But I, I even, it's not completely accurate with the really rare stuff. They're trying to, it sounds like they're trying to kind of work that out, but you know, it's just, it, it doesn't update like it's supposed to, or maybe, maybe doesn't have all the sales. So it's good to just kind of track it manually and it's fun. I feel like the chase is part of it, right? Right. I feel like, you know, being able to track it down is part of it. And there are tools out there that allow you to search multiple plat platforms are obviously not all perfected yet, but they, you know, they work pretty well. I want to hit on something that you said that I think can, is going to resonate with everyone listening. And it's this decision you make of, I have this list of 
grail personal grail cards that I'm after. And uh, I can go lone wolf it and go figure and, you know, try to figure this out and get these cards myself. Or I can, you know, go and reach out to some buddies and say, Hey, I'm looking for these, get some other eyes and ears on the ground. I think one is it coming from a place of abundance being like, okay, I have trust with these people. They can go help me out. And the other one maybe is a little more scarce mindset where it's like, I'm too concerned and worried for me. The I've never, it, I feel like I've never been at a disadvantage when I just throw something up in my stories or hit someone up in the DMS and be like, Hey, I'm buying this right now. Like help me out. Um, people come at you and there's no one's I, from my experience, no one has ever really tried to take advantage of that, sell it for hire because they know it or someone else swoop in and buy it. Maybe talk a little bit about like that for you. Like, do you have trepidation when you're opening it up or do you find the advantages of just like sharing it with your network is outweighs, um, kind of just keeping it to yourself? Yeah. So early on, I, I kind of thought, ah, maybe I shouldn't share this kind of stuff because maybe someone's going to try and buy it, maybe try and flip it to me or, 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 you know, maybe take my idea and think, Hey, that that's a good thing. And, and, and that's gone. That, 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 that's gone. I don't think that at all anymore. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's bad actors somewhere, but, um, you know, I feel like we network ourselves with people that are really well ingrained in this hobby and they know what's going on and they, they're looking for certain things and they have customers that are looking for certain things. So why not tell people what you're looking for? Right. Why not? And not only that, it often gives other people ideas to where, oh yeah, you're looking for a 2018 gold prism of Brady. Oh, well, you know what, man, let me just, wow, I found these other golds. Maybe I'll go after player X or whatever, whatever the case may be. Give somebody else an idea um, of something that maybe they didn't know about. Right. And I feel like we've all gone down that, that journey at one point of our lives to learn all the different parallels and the different colors and different subsets and all sorts of stuff because I can't imagine like somebody just getting into this new and trying to really learn everything quickly. Right. Because there's just so much. I want to grab a hold of your hypothetical 2018 gold Brady and kind of, this was one of the bullets that I wanted to talk to you about, but we can take that hypothetical and put it towards it. It's this idea of you say, Hey, I'm looking for the 2018 Tom Brady to a group of, you know, three or four guys. They hit up their networks or they've seen a car to show. Anyways, a couple of days pass, buddy reaches out to you and says, Hey, I've got this 2018 gold prism Brady PSA 10. Like this guy's going to sell it. He's going to sell it for X. And your first instinct is like, that's a pretty good price to start with. The management of card appearing like that. And these cards aren't cheap, right? Especially like right. these rare and scarce cards, the cards on the list. Like, what is your process for like cash, like having cash on hand for mm-hmm. these cards popping versus taking equity in your PC or trying to leverage your PC to sell off cards to then get cash to pay for that Brady card? Like, how do you go about like, what's your standard process? Like, are you, do you have a grail fund that you're saving money? For? Like, <laughs> I think this is the question. Everyone really like, everyone's got a different thing, but no one really talks about it. So I'd be curious to know like what, how you handle these different situations. So for me, I, again, I, I, I have two PCs now, which is again, it was, wasn't the case. Right. And I can go buy whatever it is without having to sell stuff, right? It, that, 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 that's not an issue, but it's more of a responsibility aspect to where you're like, okay, 
well, hey, if I'm going to go make a big purchase, right, I morally have to sell off some stuff for it to make sense. Because you don't want to be too heavy in anything. Everybody's got their own, all their buckets of their investments or whatever the heck they are, all things, right? So, so we're all limited in that regard and, and from a responsibility aspect. So I'll definitely make the deal as quickly as I can, right? But then I'll say on the, on the sides, like, all right, well, go into my second PC and say, okay, what do I got to part with now? Can I, now, is this a deal where I can apply some trade? Right? Is it from a person that, that I'm de- dealing with, or is this an auction where I'm just going to have to win? Right. So that's number. That's the biggest question right there. If it's somebody that's like Kevin or somebody that that's 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 flexible and you can trade with MC Sports Cards, those guys like you can legitimately trade with those guys and and make it pretty easy, right? Um, but if it's not, okay, you, you're going to have to. You know, I I will make the deal. Make sure I got that that card secure. Then I'll go dip in and say, all right, well, this stack's got to go to auction or, you know, I'm going to sell these on my own on eBay, whatever, whatever the case may be. So, and, and the, the rule is always like, well, how do you determine what to sell, right? The first thing I always ask myself is, is this replaceable, right? And if it's a card that I can go on eBay and buy, it's gone, right? It, 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 generally speaking, it's gone. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, because it, I'm always chasing the stuff that you can't go find that easily. So if it's a, you know, I just kind of let, let, let go a bunch of stuff over the past month or so, probably a past month or so to, to just kind of replenish what I spent on some other bigger stuff. And it was all replaceable stuff, except like maybe one or two cards. And, you know, it makes me justify it that much to where if I need another one and I regret it or, or I'm doing another deal that involves a trade and we're a little off and another one pops up, I can always go you know, procure another one. It's not, it's not a card that I'm going to have to go put back on the list and hunt for. Does that make sense? Totally does. And then I think the scenario where you take care and you get your card, then you look at your PC and you, you say, okay, I got five cards that are replaceable. And if through my evaluation of the market and the price of these cards, chances are like, if I sell all of these cards, they'll cover the cost of this other cards. And I think we all try to aspire to do that at some level, but I'm sure it's situational for you, but like, is your process, like, I'm going to throw these up on the stories. Do you have a consigner you send them to? Are you putting them on eBay yourself? Like, I think the big thing that I think that I struggle with a little bit of having the confidence in buying card is just this, this speed. Like if I go out and spend thousands of dollars on a car, it's the speed for which I'm able to recoup my, uh, those funds back into my account. So, you know, I can, you know, continue to live the a life sure. and not having cards be a hindrance. So talk a little bit about that. And like, I'm sure it's situational, but like how you like your process and how you go about it. So mostly I prefer to sell on eBay because for a couple of things, it, it, and this is usually stuff that's probably under 5,000, right? Under $5,000 because, because the reality is you're not getting any better exposure anywhere else. We can talk shit on eBay's fees. We can talk about how horrible their authentication program is. All this is shit. They lost this. Blah, blah. The fact of the matter is you will not get any better exposure anywhere else. Sans golden putting your card on Times Square. Right? Right? I mean, it, it is what it is, especially for, for the price. That's one thing they got going. They also pay you faster than anybody else does. 
yeah, it mm. does take a couple of days. But if you run an auction on Sunday for seven days and it ends next Sunday, you have your money by Wednesday. So, I mean, mm. 10 days, right? So, I think eBay is definitely the most convenient. You could do it from anywhere. Um, and I feel like you're going to get what the market value is for your card on that day, right? Whereas things don't normally, assuming you, you use the tools properly, assuming you fill out all the fields properly, you don't you know, use somebody else's listing and half-ass it, right? You, you feel, fill in everything, you have good pictures. That card's not getting lost, right? It's not getting lost, period. It's not going to happen. Whereas I feel like cards get lost in, in some of the other uh, auction sites when they're not super common, right? Um, or maybe, you know, they're, they're kind of high pop cards. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they get lost unless mm-hmm. it's somebody that's, that's everybody's looking for. And even then we've seen cards like that get lost. It's very rare that, that, that you see a really common card get lost on eBay that's been listed properly. I know there's obviously the, the steals and the exceptions that, that pop up, but, but if you follow the instructions, put everything up there, do everything the way you're supposed to do it. I honestly have really good luck with it, dude. I, I, you know, obviously not everything sells for what you want, but in the end, like what you're saying is the key is to get it sold quickly and get your money back quickly. eBay is the best option. Uh, obviously story sales are good, but, but here's the reality to sell on your story. Again, we're talking in pretty common stuff here. It has to be price cheap, right? Cause why would someone buy it from you if they can go, right? Right. It's gotta be cheap. So if you have the, the 15 days to spare or so, I think you're going to, I think eBay is the best, is the best way to do it. I really do. I know. I, like I said, I'm sure people are going to hate me for saying that, <laughs> but I mean, dude, I've been doing this since 1998 on eBay and I get it. Like, like you have, um, you have your exceptions and you have your other avenues and it's good. And I love using PWCC. They're awesome. Right. But if it's a matter of speed and like a combination of speed and predictability, meaning like, okay, well, the last one did 800 bucks, right? I really need this one to do 800 bucks, right? The odds are it's going to do 800 bucks. Whereas anywhere else you send that thing, there is a possibility it does four or 500 bucks. Yeah. Th- there was a couple cards that were hanging out at a weekly auction. And I just looked at where the price was at on these cards. And I was like, my mentality was like, these aren't the glamorous cards, like, but they're cards that I could add to my PC. I'm going to go throw a little sprinkle in there and just to see, because that's the, like, from a buying perspective, like, I totally agree with you. Like, I think you have an opportunity to get cards on the cheap, not on eBay. Now I will agree with everything you said. If I'm in a crunch, I'm turning to eBay to do everything you just described. I want to, touch on this other point, just, and this could be story sales or individually, but like the, when, when you're trying to recoup um, funds really quickly, like my mentality, I'd love your perspective on this. My mentality would be, you know, go to your PC, grab the cards that are replaceable. But like, I almost in a way, like, don't look at like the price individually and like hold, say, I need to get market rate for all of these. I almost like look at it. Like here is like the, the, the lump sum of everything here. And I'm willing to like, if I'm going to throw this in my story sale or, or pitch it to someone else, like I'm willing, if the card's $700, I'm willing to say, hey, I'll sell you this for 500. 
because I know based on like the adjustment of my lot that I'm trying to get rid of, like I can sell this for $500 and I know I'll get this other card for the market rate just based on the player or the situation. So maybe like talk a little bit about that, like with speed sometimes causes you to compromise a little bit and you can't be so stringent on market rate. Um, Talk a little bit about your perspective on that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just depends on how much time you have, right? Like you can, cause here's the, the reality too, is you can, you can post, you can, and I'm not that good with, with making story content, right? I, I'm honestly not, dude. I, I, I'm just not good. I can do the basics, but when it comes to all the little, little things people put in there and like putting the sold <laughs> sign on it and shit, dude, I, I just don't do it, man. Right. So so it depends if you're really good at that stuff and it doesn't take you that long, that's fine. Make a great story sale. I would say price everything probably really 20% under comp and with 5% to negotiate, right? Would be probably fair. And I think that that's a great way to do it, especially too with, and again, people have all different situations, right? I'm not married. I don't, my, I don't have a wife, but if I, you know, some people do, and that's a hindrance on, how they make their card decisions. And I totally understand, right? I totally understand. So there's other ways to do that. So where they don't know about it, right? And I get where that's a benefit to the story sale as well. Like I understand, but yeah. And I don't, I don't really have that big of a following either to where I, I don't get a lot of traction. So for me personally, to take the time to make the story that takes me a while, right? Mm-hmm. With the maybe that I might get a sale, Mm-hmm. It takes me the same amount of time to list something on eBay, no reserve. So that's my perspective, right? That That's my perspective. That's not everybody's, um, but that's just the way it is for me. And like, I feel like too, if somebody that was my friend that we were, fo- was following me, right. And they were looking for one of the cards that I had, and this has happened where they see that I listed X card on eBay, no reserve. And they'll message me, oh, shit, I didn't know you were selling that. Okay, well, hey, I'll sell it to you for this. Do you want it? No big deal. I'll just take it off. No big mm-hmm. deal, right? Because everybody sees them within hours of them being listed anyway. So that's happened a couple times. Uh, and, and that's okay, too, right? And I, honestly, if somebody on your story, and, and I look at it this way, too, right? If somebody that's following you sees a card that they're, they want to buy, and if they're serious about it, the odds are they have a push notification on eBay for it anyway, right? 100%. I, I, I hope like all of this stuff is stuff that typically just goes on in my head. And I hope people out there are like, man, I can relate to this in some form or fashion. Before we completely move off of this, I, I wanted to, you mentioned dealers. Uh, you mentioned Kevin to captain MC sports cards. How important, like, I think, something that doesn't get discussed enough is this concept of like building out relationships with like very strong dealers, because those individuals, if you're going to them with a lot of cool cards that they could make a margin on at a show, like, and say, Hey, I'm trying to unload these so I can pay off this other card. And I'm not specific to Kevin and Mike, like I'm, I'm just saying in general, but like, I'm trying to unload these and this $700 card, I'll move it to you for 500 bucks. Like those are the people that can like make you liquid like quick because then Mm -hmm. they're setting up at shows. So talk a little bit about just like being in the hobby forever, like the importance of like having like relationships with like dealers who are 
out in the wild selling cards on a regular basis. Oh yeah. It's huge, man. I try to get like, especially with Kevin, like I, I, if I have stuff that I think that he could use, right. I'll put it in a pile and send him a picture, right. Something like that. But I don't, I also feel like I don't want to bombard people with crap, right? Like, or, or like, like, I don't even want to say crap, but like stuff that I don't think fits their inventory mix, right? Mm-hmm. I want it to make sense. Like, cause I know that those guys have businesses to run. They're doing this for a living, right? They, their time is incredibly valuable as everyone is. And we've exchanged enough to where to know, I know like what he likes to buy and what he likes to sell. So for sure, that's, that's even better. I mean, if you have an avenue like that to where it's like, Hey, I've got all these, these football cards that are, and now Kevin's expanded into all kinds of stuff. He's doing like vintage baseball and all that. Right. Which is, which is great. Uh, That stuff's pretty liquid. It's a little easier to predict. Absolutely. Those are great relationships to have. You've got a local guy here that I've done some deals with too. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it just depends on, on, on the speed and it depends on how capable you are. And, you know, I, I kind of like selling stuff, you know, I enjoy it. It takes me off of my daily stuff and it just, you know, gives me something to do. It does. Before we get into like some of your recent purchases, I want to hit on this um, concept of preparing for grail purchase and being out on the hunt and being proactive, having your list. And then this other idea of like a card cards coming at us regularly and us seeing a card that wasn't on our list, but going through the process of, of buying it and like, what is the right thing to do? Like, is the right thing to stick to your list? Is it okay to have some flexibility knowing that like that 2k you spent on a card that just came at you that you weren't ready for could be taking away from, uh, you know, this grail purchase that might come up a week or two later. I know we can't, you know, predict everything, but like just the trying to try to be ready, try to be prepared, enjoying the hobby. Um, like how do you manage that? Like the, between the, the buying what's on your list to the buying what's coming at you and the balancing act between the two of them. Yeah, man, it's tough. And for me, like if I don't buy something for a while, I feel like the stuff that comes at me <laughs> comes at me faster. <laughs> yeah. Dreams like, hey, I can't find what I'm looking for, and then now I start to kind of look for stuff to look for. If that makes sense, yeah. And when I see, if, when I feel myself doing that, I kind of take a step back. It's like, okay, well, hold on a second. You know, why am I chasing this card? Is this is this similar to what's on the list, or do I just like it, or do I forget about it? Do I, do I not know about it? kind of take a step back and dissect it. And I'll also look at like, if I, if I, if I stray away like that, right. And and I'm on something like, Oh damn, I, I really like this. This isn't on my list, but, but I want to make a deal on whatever card this is. I will definitely go back and look at the last, like however many sales I can find and see how, how many times has this changed hands? Where did it sell? That kind of thing. And a good point about a grail that I had a discussion with, with a couple of collectors is that, you know, when a grail comes up, obviously you want to do everything you possibly can to get it, right? And if it's a card that doesn't surface for years, if it's a card that you haven't seen sell publicly for five or six years, three years, whatever the case may be, chase it as hard as you can, but don't get too caught up if you lose, right? And I'm going to tell you why. I would probably say, I don't know, at least 50% of the time when a card comes up, 
that has not sold for years, right? And and hits this not crazy number, but it sells for a lot more than what it would, would have sold for in 2017, right? The chances are another one's going to come up, and it happens a lot. So I, you know the flawless Brady stuff, right? Flaw, there's a lot of examples. Flawless Brady. It just happened with him, Brady Mosaic, right? Mm. Um, where that card, dude. I don't think there's any public sale of that card from 2000. It was 2011. I think it was 2011. Yeah, it was 2011. Nothing. No, no, no public sales of that card ever. And one, a PSA eight. The only one a PSA holder pops up at auction. I lost it. I thought I had it for sure, and I, I lost it. Then another one in a BGS nine popped up a week later, right? And I'll bet you we're going to see another one because because the guys that we were having this discussion before we started recording, the guys' cost basis on this stuff is so low, and those those still have to get flushed out, right? Um, and people are going to come across the card that they paid twenty bucks for however many years ago, and they're going to say, "Well, damn, I like this card, but there's another five thousand dollar card I like way better. I'm selling this and getting that." Just like the conversation we're having, it's no different. It's it's almost the same world, just just kind of evolving over or just rotating over and over again of collectors, right? <laughs> um, but that's one thing I've kind of learned about a grail is that like if you chase it and you lose, don't be that upset about it. If it's something that you know hasn't hasn't seen the public in so long, the that is such a good nugget and. That has never been discussed on this show, but it's it, it's so true, and yeah. you see it you see it all the time. So I appreciate you calling that out. Um, before I let you get out of here, I'd love for you to maybe talk about some of kind of your recent purchases, some of the cards that you've been buying, and maybe just like reasons why process you went through that sort of thing. Yes. So my favorite, I'll talk about my favorite one. It's a card that's been literally at the top of my list for like. Uh, probably like three years. And it's a 2013 Tom Brady select gold prism. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's first year select, which I like better than, than first year prism, which is 12. Right. I personally just, I think 100%. Right. I think it's his best looking prism card in total. That's my opinion. Right. Well, you know, there's obviously only 10 of them. They, there was like no sales at all. One, had sold on eBay. I missed it, right? Like pre-boom, like maybe 2018, 2019 for, for, for a nice, nice chunk. I mean, they, they've, they've always demanded a nice premium, you know, compared to everything else. Right. Um, I don't remember what it was, but, but it was like, like four or five grand, something like that. And I, and I wanted it so bad that that was the one I wanted. Wait and wait and wait and I freaking lost. Right. And after that, a couple have presented themselves to me, but it was significantly longer later. And it was like five, 10 times more than the last one. And I'm like, and similar cards are, are, are selling of his, maybe not that exact card, but a 14, you know, prism gold, blah, blah, blah. They're, 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 they're obviously the past couple of years, they've exploded. And I'm literally getting ready to delete it off my list because I'm just like, you know what? I'm not, forget it. Somebody offered me one for $60,000. Um, and I'm just like, no, dude, like that's, I have a hard time doing that. Like I missed it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just not going to buy it now. I, I'm content with not having it. I missed it. <laughs> so anyway, so dude, the, the, the October premiere auction, right. For 
for uh, sorry, my dog's barking. You hear that? But the the October premiere auction for PWCC, there was one in there, right? And I know that the market's obviously corrected quite a bit. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Maybe I got a shot at this thing, right? So why not? And, and there weren't really like like September, like like in in the previous months, like like July, August, September, when start things started to trail down. There weren't really any like cliff falls of any of, of the, the gold prisms per se, right? That I've seen anyway. So uh, there were other Brady golds in there as well, or there other really nice Brady cards, as always in every uh, PWCC premier auction, right? So so there's one in there. And I'm like, fuck, man, like, let me just throw a bid on that, right? I throw a bid the first day, and uh, you know, it was it was I was willing to pay pay a lot more, but but. It got bit up a little bit, but dude, I was the high bidder the whole freaking time. Wow. And I won, bro. Dude, I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I went to bet. I was I was looking at it uh like when it was getting close. I'm like, man, I'm still the high bidder, right? It went up a couple hundred bucks. So I'm like, I'm still the high bidder. Sweet. Right. And I woke up at like like 3 a.m. or something. I don't know why. And I got that email and I'm like, oh my God. Like what? So that I'm super happy with. I don't really care if the other nine go up for auction tomorrow. I don't care. Dude, it's a card that I, that I always wanted. It's sick. I think, I think the next 10, 15 years for that card look wonderful. Yes. Right? And it's, and it's his, in my eyes, his best, best looking one. So, so that was super, I was super pumped to land that one. Now that, that was probably like, one one of my one of my favorite buys in a really long time. I think to me, like the moral of the story on that one is you got to know your limits and know what you're willing to pay and when you're willing to pay. And I don't know, like it's so hard for us at sometimes, like you mentioned, someone wanted 60k or whatever for it. It's so hard for us to like when we see that rare and scarce card and it's on our list to walk away with from it. But the, there reaches this point in our minds where it's like, this is too much. And I think this is going to correct. And so I think the moral of the story for me is just like st- staying on it, knowing when to walk away. And then, um, but then when you do see an opportunity, put in the bid that makes you feel comfortable. And sometimes you'll be surprised. Yeah, man. Just, just you know, knowing the market is key and not chasing stuff that, it, it, from my experience, if it's something that everybody else is chasing at that time, right? Everybody wants, everybody's talking about, it's not a good time to buy it. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's really not, man. And, and that's not just cards. That's any, any, any equity, anything that, you know, you're speculating its value, right? Now, again, if it's something that you don't really care and you're just going to lock it away and you know you may not get another opportunity to buy another one, okay. But Few and far between, because as we've seen over the past couple of years, man, dude, a lot of these cards just have been changing hands way too frequently. And that's telling you that these guys are, are, are there's a lot of people that are flipping and they're flipping, they're flipping, they're exiting, they're doing whatever the hell they're doing. And that's fine. But the bottom line is that's not collect, right? They're not collecting. So, so I think it's important for all those cards to get out of those hands and get into you know, where, where they're going to just be kind of locked away and, you know, maybe traded or held or whatever the case may be. That is um, a hell of a, a tale. Do you have any, one more card or so that you want to close out with or, or is, it, is the 2013 gold uh, Brady yeah. uh, prison select uh, enough? No, I'll tell you again. Okay. So in that same auction, right. 
I did the same thing with with the 2018 Prism Gold. Right? <laughs> Big auction so, for the E Trader so, over here. Yeah. So so I was at the Philly show maybe four years ago, three years ago, and and it, it wasn't the same card, but it was the same. It was the same grade, but it wasn't the exact same card. And I could have bought it for a fair price then, and and I didn't. And I'm like. I didn't want to spend that kind of money. Really wasn't sure what was going on. I, I loved it. I wanted it, but I passed. And right after that, damn thing went up, you know, however many X. I mean, there's multiple sales of this thing for like 40,000 bucks, right? 30,000, whatever it was. And same deal, man. I bid on both of them. Dude, that one, I won that one too. I got both. And I'm like, I can't believe it. This is great. It's awesome. Because again, I, there's nine other ones. Where are they going to go? I don't know. They could keep going down. I don't know. But I got mine at what I was willing to pay, you know, which is key. And that that's where I'm comfortable. So did you deep down think that based on what you bid that you were going to win both of those cards? The 13, not a chance, not even close. But the 18, yeah, I, I, I figured because because it, I got it was a PSA nine and I was bidding on a BGS nine. Before that, in the last premier auction, it went for a pretty good price, but I didn't want a BGS because I'm like, you know what? This card has changed hands a lot, right? And I know that there's three PSA nines. And by the way, this is going, there's going to be another one that's going to come up. So I backed off. And, um, and, and lo and behold, a month later, it came up because that one, like, like I said, for some reason, 2018, I feel like just tr- changes hands a lot, dude. I, I don't know why. I mean, it just does. So yeah, so that one now I have the gold and the gold vinyl. Kind of a nice pairing. It's not in my hands yet because it's mm. marinating in my vault for three months. But uh, like everybody's saying that now, right? Like you're just like, damn, dude, like 3%, you know what you're paying for this stuff. You might as well just wait. Just look at the fancy images in your, on your phone. <laughs> they, 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 they turn them in their videos and things. So it's yeah. almost like yeah. it's right there. I forgot. Yeah, well, I think last time you were on, you were talking about just getting the 18 gold vinyl and now you have the gold. Yep. Jeez. That that's what I say. Some pretty damn good collecting, man. Tons of good nuggets in in this one. Hopefully, you all picked up something. You can follow him at the E Trader on IG. Joey, man, appreciate it. You have fun at the game. I'm good. Even this will be removed by the time it goes live. But what's what's the your prediction on tonight's affair? I think Brady throws for four touchdowns and they win. Love the optimism. That's um, what I think. I'll be sitting at home waiting. Thanks a lot, Joey, man. Have you back on. Thanks again. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, Brett. I love having conversations with collectors who have been there for a while. Experience is so valuable. Collectors with intention are so valuable. We can learn from these individuals, and that's why I brought Joey, the E-Trader, on the program today to unpack some of his process, and hopefully you out there, the collector on the other side, learn something or two. I do appreciate you coming by, tuning in, and making Stacking Slabs podcast your hobby content alternative. You take care of yourself, take care of others around you, happy collecting, and we'll talk to you next week.